And if you're feeling that there's any kind of reluctance or fear to look at the numbers, that's back to the well-being piece because that's impacting you already. Yeah. So that's something you want to, you know, just manage and deal with. But then go and grab your numbers if they're not already in one neat place that you can just look at. This would be the time you're listening to this episode for a reason. So if you're yep. here, take this as a sign. This is <laughs> this is a sign. Gather your numbers. <laughs> Too legitimate to quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the incredible Sandra Francisco. Sandra Francisco is a business coach that helps entrepreneurs go from idea to profit while balancing their personal growth so that they can have true fulfillment and extraordinary profit. Sandra spent 15 years as a marketing and product development expert for two of Canada's Fortune 10 companies, managing 50 and $100 million projects while leading thousands of people. After making the difficult decision to leave the corporate path, she found herself exploring professional coaching and the dynamics of the human psyche. As a co-founder of Human Potential International, Sandra holds a business commerce degree and is certified in multiple modalities of the human psyche and peak performance. The combination of her eclectic background in personal and professional development translates to a unique and exceptional understanding of people, from multi-million dollar business owners to entrepreneurs that are just getting started. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit. Sandra, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? I love this question because having a micro focus is the best thing. I find so many times entrepreneurs, business owners, they get so stuck in future problem solving where they're already problem solving years from now and they don't uh-huh. even know what's, you know, what am I doing today in this week? So I love the way you phrase that question. So for me, whenever I work with somebody, I do what I call an upper line and bottom line. We're very familiar in bottom line profit, right? If you have a business, unless you have a hobby, if you actually have a business, you need to look at the profit line. But I also look at the upper line, which is the well-being of that business owner. So the first thing I would say for this week is, yes, take priority, you, upper line, well-being. So take a look at what is working for you, what's not working for you. However, you know, your week is going or look back at your previous week and analyze, am I working to a schedule that's actually prioritizing my well-being? And just ask yourself a few questions. Have I been self-sabotaging, compromising? Have I been doing things because so-called experts are telling me to do it, but my gut is saying none of this feels right. So that's the Mm. first thing that I say is take a little bit of self-reflection, look at that upper line first and take back at last week, take a look back at last week, and then know this week, what can I change that is going to be more aligned to who I am and the things that are actually going to bring me well-being? Does that make sense? I freaking adore that. I love that so much because, you know, I'm not doing much one-on-one consulting anymore, but when I was as my main source of income, one of the things that would happen all the time is clients would come to me with very forward thinking problems. Like yes. Years, years ahead. down the road. Years. And I love that. I was like, congratulations on being able to think that far ahead. However, it's almost a defense mechanism or a form of self-sabotage like you brought up that we focus on solving potential problems in the future instead of the glaring ones facing our business right now. So that's why I love that you're saying to implement this thinking weekly. Yes. Because that keeps you present and in the immediate past and in the immediate future, which is really the only thing that we can actually analyze and impact change on is what 
either just happened because it may be still timely enough for you to fix it, expand it, repair it, whatever, but also the immediate future. What's going to happen this week? What's going to happen next week? Because as much as it's nice to be able to plan for all of these potential landmines, it's so easy to favor those instead of what's facing us now. Exactly. So as a consultant, which I've been consulting for over 10 years, it's a great skill to have a future vision. And that's what I do. That's what people pay me for in consulting is to come in, look at their business overall and see, you know, three years down the road, what are the red flags? What are we going to do? And then that business owner can then, okay, what do I do about it now? As entrepreneurs, I find this so often, you try to be your own consultant and that does not work <laughs> for you because no, it and, and, and depending where you are and the size of your business or what phase of business you're on, maybe sometimes you're not even launched yet. You're still, you know, in the phases of exploring or developing at where you're early on in the growth phase. You don't have the resources to hire a consultant. Try not to be your full-time consultant either because then you're always future thinking and you're not actually implementing. So that's been my experience yes. because I play that role. And then in my own business, I call myself a recovering futurist because I, <laughs> I, I find that too. I find myself doing that role and I'm like, wait a second, but now I've got to implement all these things. Like, no, 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 no. Back to what's going on this week, next week, next month, stay Micro-focus. That's amazing. So I love the way you asked that question. So yeah, well-being, that's what I'm all about. First, I go there. Then we go into, okay, let's look at profit activities. Now, I say profit, not revenue for a reason. Because I have worked with many seven-figure entrepreneurs that once we looked at their profit, it was slim. And they were actually living off of like loans in their actual yes. life. Yes, yes. But making seven yes. figures, right? yes. Yes. I used to work for a woman who was so unbelievably on paper wealthy, like killing the game on paper. But I got a peek behind the curtain at how much she was spending on Facebook ads and how much she was paying her team. And I was like, shit, I think I make more money than her. I, yes. Like at the end of the day, I think I take more home and have more in savings. Then this, you know, high six or seven figure person. And I was like, oh, my God, she's giving, I mean, not kidding, like $400,000 a year to Mark Zuckerberg in the form of Facebook ads. And I was like, that is not wealth. Well, because if she's making, giving like, well, spending 400,000, then what's the return? Is she making 4 million? Like what's going on? Because if she's making oh. 450, then we have a problem. Right. Then we have a big, fat, fat, fat problem because she's making all that money and immediately turning it over to something as soulless as Facebook. Like, listen, and this is a tangent I don't I'm not trying to like lead us too far down on. But like Facebook ads are I sort of treat as a necessary evil. But it's necessary at I, a certain point, too. Right. It's right, like when people right. apply them at the wrong stage is when things can go very wrong. Exactly, exactly. And and they certainly can creep up on, you know, because the experimentation and everything else. But like my vision for the wealth, profitability and revenue of my company both is not making all my money, turning it around and giving it to big tech. That's not in my vision. Right. And so I love that you focus on profit. Yes. And not revenue. Because I think a lot of us are like, well, once my business hits this number revenue wise, I'll have it made. Well, no, not if you're not being strategic, right? Not if you're not being careful. So why do you think we get so tied up in this idea of revenue over profit? That's a beautiful question. And actually, there lies the answer to anybody that's listening to this that's having a profit issue. Because I've done this many, many, many times. And I've quickly moved people from like an expense ratio of like 60 to 80% down to 20, 30%. And the commonality has always been what they believe that it means about them to have a seven-figure revenue or multiple seven-figure revenues or wherever they're at, six figures, it doesn't matter. It's whatever you believe that that means. So therefore, you will put out whatever you need to put out to reach those targets and it's actually hasn't come to consciousness that, oh, 
what does that mean for me at the end of the day? I'm actually drawing in from a loan, but I can say to my friends and colleagues and people that I have a multiple seven figure business. Right. I can write a Facebook ad about making a million dollars last year. Exactly. Right. So once I dig into what's going on here, so I mean, I'd start with numbers. That's the first thing that I do is I'm like, I I cannot work with somebody if I cannot see your numbers because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to give you advice. Like I could be giving you bad advice. You can't advise someone based on fake math. Yeah. I mean, I could. And even if it's not fake, like even if they're not trying to lie to you or pull one over on you, their best guess is still just a guess. You cannot scale something based on misinformation. Exactly. And I could actually be giving you bad advice. So I, I can't, yeah, yes. I can't do that until I can see your numbers. And I work with a lot of creative entrepreneurs and also a lot of young creative entrepreneurs and they're not a fan of numbers. So that's a whole psychology trying to get numbers, right? But once I do look at the numbers, then I can see where the revenues, like where they're spending their, where the expenses are going, where the revenue is coming in. When I start asking questions of why this spend, like in a lot of it is focused in, in marketing. That's where usually a lot of the dollars are going out the door, right? So when I start breaking down why this, why that, nine times out of 10, the reason is coming down to something, a meaning about them. Well, if I, you know, spent $15,000 to be listed in Forbes, it has a meaning. Did it return? No, but I get to put that on my website. But I get to put that I'm in Forbes. I mean, we all have vanity-based goals as well. And I'm not trying to knock those things. I certainly No, but you can make those work for you. Like you can be, you can spend 15K in Forbes. That's great. But you can't just spend those 15K. Then how are you going to use the fact that you were listed in Forbes where sometimes the money is spent and then not capitalized on, right? So that's where the marketing spend sometimes isn't going to work for you because you had to make it work for you and that step was skipped. And you have to follow through on the plan. You have to put strategy behind these big time things and these opportunities, big and small. If you don't put strategy behind opportunity, then we squander them, right? So I love that example of paying 15 grand to get featured in Forbes. That is not an unusual thing in our industry. You and I met because we are both part of the Interview Connections family. We are paying an agency to help us find other stuff. And it's incredible. But the thing is, and they say this all the time, and it's one of the things that I really loved about that company, was that they are very, very clear that we will book you on these shows. That is our promise to you. What you make of those appearances is on you. How you follow up, how you bond with the host, how you connect with them, how you get them involved in your business, if you convert them in some way, that is all on you. And that takes planning and that takes strategy. And again, that takes focusing on the now and not in the six months from now or six years from now. How am I going to maximize this thing that I worked hard for now, now? Exactly. And if it's not, if you cannot have a strategy around it, if it doesn't make sense, if it's not needed, then it has to go. Right. So it's looking at those numbers. That's when I can figure out, okay, how can I really help you? So without the numbers, it's very hard to make these decisions. So what you should be doing this week from a business perspective, after you've taken care of yourself and your well-being, check that out, is look at the numbers. The numbers are not going to lie. So, and if you're feeling that there's any kind of, um, reluctance or fear to look at the numbers, that's back to the well-being piece because that's impacting you already. Yeah. So that's something you want to, you know, just manage and deal with, but then go and grab your numbers. If they're not already in one neat place that you can just look at, this would be the time you're listening to this episode for a reason. So if you're here, yep. take this as a sign. This is, <laughs> this is a sign. Gather your numbers. <laughs> hey, woo people in the audience. This is your sign. Get your numbers together. Just do it. You know, I I love that you brought up previously, and oh my God, was this my experience. And and still sometimes can be when I'm especially feeling uh, stressed, overwhelmed, imposter syndrome right, or whatever. But you brought up the fact that uh, young entrepreneurs and especially young creative entrepreneurs really hate their numbers. They do. I think that I successfully managed to cobble together a young consultancy for at least like my first three years, intentionally ignorant of my numbers. And I do not recommend that (laughs) at all. It was great for my ego. It was really hard to fix stuff 
when I caught up and realized that I had landmines in my business because I knew that I had been intentionally ignoring that information all along. So it caused me stress all along. And then the first time I had to turn in my numbers to somebody like you, someone I was paying to advise me and help me grow, it was a mess. It was like getting audited and like dumping out an old purse of like crumpled wrappers and receipts and being like, is this good, Mr. IRS? <laughs> no, it's not. Like, what are your numbers? I'm like, well, I, um, well, I got a speaking gig and that was two grand. And then I, um, and they're like, do you not have this information centralized? And I was like, no, I'm a creative. Why would you say something so offensive? Exactly. Now I have learned to adore my numbers most of the time because I've gamified it. Like I give myself pretty little graphics. Like I make myself little charts and this is with my number and also with my network size. Like I have, or, or, um, yeah, like my social networking size mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like I have a little star chart. I get a little, you know, I get a couple listens on the podcast. I give myself a literal gold star on my life. I love it. I love that you've adapted the system that works for you. That's what it's all about. I get that. You know how many times I get clients that like exactly hum and haw and like, oh my God, do I have to? And then once they get to it, sometimes it takes a few months because they really make it harder than it needs to be. But once they get in the groove of it, going forward, how many times I even get text messages from clients two years ago, they're like, Oh my God, I cannot thank you enough. I love that I have my numbers and that I know what I'm doing. And that, you know, they, they were again, living off of loans. And all of a sudden they're like, my profit ratios are amazing. Like I have savings. I've bought investments. I'm like the whole world changes. And then they love coming up with their numbers. Of course they do. Because then Their numbers are a source of joy and enthusiasm. They feed that enthusiasm because you're not afraid of them. You're looking at them. And even then, if something takes a reversal, you know, and not just in profit, like I was just talking about social network. Like if I suddenly lose 100 followers on Instagram, then I have two choices. I can freak out about that, which in the real world means pretty much nothing. Or I can figure out what I did to lose 100 followers and figure out how I'm going to get 200 back. And and looking at it that way is like, oh, there's a problem. Let's solve it. Let's get creative. That's a creative's dream because that's just problem solving. Yep. And that just calls on you to get creative and get active and do all the magical things that make you you in your business. But if you look at all these losses as like, ah, well, I've looked at my numbers one time. They're not where I want them to be. I'm going back to bed. Like, that's not going to get you anywhere. No, no. And, you know, sometimes that's going to get you thinking you've got this great business until one day, like you said, the IRS or, you know, you start to do your taxes and it's like, oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You're like you're you're going to some fancy conference for six and seven million or, you know, six and seven figure earners. And then you go out to dinner with some fancy pantses and buy a round of drink and your car gets declined. Yes. Bad shit. Bad shit. Like, you're like, oh, my God. How do I not have money in this account? Yes. What is yes. This? And it's completely, I mean, it is so easy to get into your numbers. And, like, beautiful, like you said, if you're a creative entrepreneur that does not stop you, you can find beautiful creative ways to enjoy knowing your numbers and playing with them. But really, at the end of the day, if you're not paying attention to profit, if you're not profiting, then you're not doing yourself any favors. You're just living in stress at some some point. Well, yeah, because you're waiting for the inevitable moment when it's like that math problem from grade school. It's like this train leaves this station going this fast and this train leaves this station in the opposite direction going this fast. When will these trains collide? And what you're waiting for is, when will I run out of money? When will I run out of money to the point where I can't borrow anymore? When will I run out of money to the point where my bills are not going to pay themselves? When am I going to get to the point where I have to lay off members of my own team? Because you know, when you're not paying attention to what's going on in your business, in the back of your mind, you know, the bottom could fall out of this sucker at any point. And so you wake up every day. I lived in this place for years where you wake up every day and you're like, one of two things could happen today. Number one, it could all be over. 
or number two, it could all pay off. Am I putting myself more likely to have it all pay off or am I setting myself up more likely to wind up in a cardboard box? Pick one, yes. right? Like, Exactly. Exactly. Beautiful. I mean, the other thing I will add, like that's equal to the numbers is some micro planning as well. So if you are looking at the week, it's great to look at, again, we're not beautiful to have a one-year plan and to have a strategy for three years, but then also bring that into your week and to your day. So the day before, Mm -hmm. I, I love this. This has actually really transformed my relationship with stress and overwhelm is having a view of your day the night before. And if some people are not night, you can do it in the morning. It doesn't matter whatever works for you. But actually I look at my schedule, what's booked. And I look at my list of, you know, reminders, everything I've gotten to do. And the night before I actually can align them like, Whoa, I've got a huge to-do list, but I'm back to back all day. So having those reminders pop in, is just going to stress me. I've got to move those things around somewhere else in my week, or I'm looking at my back to back and I'm like, uh, you know what this, I don't know how this happened because people book my calendar online too. And I try to manage, but sometimes it gets in there and you have to be realistic. Like I, I, again, well-being, I know that how did this day get so booked? This, these people are not going to get the best out of me. I got to make a, a change here or there. Right. Yes. But you do that before you're in it. So right. micro planning, beautiful. I love that. I, I absolutely love to look at my calendar for the next day. It is so soothing. I, I talked on the show before and, and obviously in my life about being a business owner with obsessive compulsive disorder and the, you know, extra anxiety and overwhelm that can come with that. Sometimes it's a total blessing. Like sometimes I just go into my beautiful rain man place and it's like gorgeous and incredible. And I like move heaven and earth with my productivity and it's awesome. Other times I look at my calendar and I'm like, right. It, It happens. But I love, 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 love the ritual of looking at my calendar for the next day and doing exactly what you said, which is like, what's got to change? What's got to shift? In last week's episode with Krista, she defined it as cut, hold, change, and keep. And I really Mm, loved that. Uh, We were talking about you know, in your strategy, what's got to move in your vision, but I think also in your day, that's so fundamental because we can also really easily get swept up in things that are non-essential and, and we're not even noticing the fact that we could be delegating or we could be moving things or we could be grouping things, cluster things. Like I try to record a lot of episodes on the same day. It's very energetic, very energetically draining for me, mm-hmm. but it's concentrated. Then I can go lay down and not talk for the rest of the day. I'm not recording in the middle of when I'm supposed to be meeting with my team. I'm not recording normally in the middle of when I have to teach a group call that day. That doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for my energy. And knowing what works for you. That's, again, going back to asking yourself some of those those reflective questions. So I have, um, for the last, it started at the end of last year, for the last three months, I've been experimenting with having like a flow date, which is my Wednesday. I don't book anything on my Wednesday flow date, meaning there's no scheduled appointments. And then I allow myself to be like, okay, there's a ton of admin always, you know, that never goes away, right? So it's like, okay, so I am either going to be, if I'm working on a creative project, then it's my creative day is the Wednesday. So I can focus all my energy that day. I'm not, like you said, I'm not like on a call with a client because when I'm with the client, I'm in their world. Nothing about my world matters. I'm in their world. And to go from like a morning in my client world to an hour later, fully in my world creative, it's hard to switch. So Mm -hmm. I keep my Wednesdays either as a creative day, depending on projects I'm working on, or it's my admin day, or sometimes it is, you know, there's a flexibility. Sometimes I will put in a client that's like, wait, I got to reschedule that. Okay. I've got the time and I can move it in there. But I Yeah, Yeah, I don't put in as any regular occurrence appointments. I don't put any of my regular clients in there. It's a non-scheduled day. And it's something that it's only three months old, but I can speak to the fact that it's really, really working for me. It's given me so much more freedom and peace. And it's actually one of a coach that I worked with that had recommended this. And I was, I, I sat on it for a while because I was like, how can I free a day? Like, it seems so impossible. It seems so like, it seems like it would be impossible. Yeah. 
impossible. Yeah, just totally impossible because we're all like, I need a seven day work week. I need I need 28 hours in the day in order to get this to do list done. Blah, 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 blah. OK, I'm going to take a whole day with no client calls. Yeah, it did. And I, I held off and held off. And then I could see my like overwhelmed stress levels. And I'm like, OK, what? what's the worst that can happen here? Let me just clear my Wednesday. And I had to make phone calls and I had to move people around. And mm-hmm. it's been one of the best things I've done that, I mean, I'm just loving it. It's brought me so much energy. My creative projects are so much better. When I am focused in, I'm focused in on whatever that is, whether it is an admin task or it is with my clients and whether it is a, you know something that I'm doing for myself and in my own creative space, I'm fully in that energy because I've moved my schedule to allow mm-hmm. for that. And I've actually even put um, my consulting clients on a day and then my coaching clients on different days. But as I'm like, moving away from a focus in consulting more into focus in, in coaching, but I've got longstanding consulting clients, that is a different world than coaching. It is actually my brain. It's complete left brain in consulting and it's analytical yep. and future-based and all of that. And then with my coaching clients, I am very much fully present. My, like I said, my focus is really the human being first. So I'm in their energy yep. field. It's a different space. And to go from one, okay, got to go get on the next call. It wasn't working best. So scheduling mm-hmm. yourself on what, how are you going to be the most productive? What is going to give you the yes. most energy? And it, it did require a lot of uh, you know, really processing through resistance. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I've worked with clients to do kind of massive changes like that, I, my own experience, because I'm very structured and my own experience making these massive changes in my calendar, it was like, oh, scary. <laughs> yes, of course it is. But you know, it's, it's so gorgeous because you brought up two incredibly important topics in there, which is the idea of resistance, right? But also beyond resistance, the idea of flow, right? Yes. You're giving yourself Wednesdays for flow and you're not predestined, you know, into any one bucket on that day. Like you said, like it might be me an admin flow day. It might be a creative flow day. It might be a well-being flow day. You might get to Wednesday and go, I'm going to take a two hour nap and then a one hour bath just because I need to recharge whatever it is. But you're allowing yourself the space and the energetic quietness to get into a place of pure focus and therefore flow. And I think that is something that we rob ourselves of so often because we see the to do list and we go into fight or flight and we're like, okay. Get this done, get this done, get this done, get this done. And that's important. Productivity is important. Crossing stuff off the to-do list is important. But it's so much more beautiful when we can give something that attention and that focus. It is. It's good for you, good for your business. It is good for you, and it is good for your business. Now, I want to talk about something that you have given a lot of focus to. Because I know you don't watch a lot of TV. (laughs) But you told me in our pre-chat that you have seen this show in its entirety up until this point, not once, not twice, but at least three times. That is true. At least three (laughs) times. What on earth does revenue, profitability, focus, flow, resistance, what does any of that have to do with the magnificent wonder sitcom Grace and Frankie? Amazing question. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, I have actually told a lot of my clients to watch some of the episodes specific for some of the things you just said. So I, okay, when it comes to flow, because we were just talking about that, that's the perfect place to start. I love how, you know, these, they're, the, you know, Frankie and, um, and Grace, they're like in their seventies and they started a business in their seventies, right. And they're like, you know, literally planning and developing and launching their business And, you know, Frankie is the cookie one, right? And she's just pure flow. Like she's just pure flow. And then you've got grace that's structured, right? And the dynamics of trying to make that work, which is funny to watch because it's a show, but so many of my clients are in in, in that space in their businesses right now, whether it is with a partner or employees or people around them or colleagues of like different personalities. How do you make this work? So watching those dynamics and seeing how they make it work, it's really, it's a brilliant real life experience that you should watch as an entrepreneur. (laughs) I just think it's so interesting too, because like, I definitely lean hardcore Frankie. I I would doubt no. (laughs) 
Oh no, but when my when my resistance comes up, it's when my inner grace is like, if you don't put some structure around this, I'm gonna lose my own mind. Like you need to fix this. But then when I lean too far into the structure and I start to stifle the Frankie, that's when I'm like, you know what I should do? I should get a billboard. And you're like, where the hell did that idea come from? It's because I was too rigid, right? And too structured. So I think not only are they both individually such beautiful examples of structure versus flow, I think each of us has both of them in us. Yes. And that causes some of that turmoil. I think also one of the things that I love about uh, your choice of Grace and Frankie is that you're talking about like not looking too far into the future. And for folks who have not yet discovered Grace and Frankie, this is not a spoiler. This is literally in episode one. But what happens is these two women who have been rivals forever They've been friends because their husbands are business partners, but they probably wouldn't have chosen each other either in, in any other capacity. And it turns out that their husbands are in love with each other, leaving them and want to get married. And I think that's so freaking great for what we're talking about today, because we started this episode saying you got to plan for the now. You can't plan for the future because losing their husband, losing their source of income, losing their their you know homes, having to restructure their families, having to go to their husband's wedding to each other, having to navigate their relationship, having to become best friends, living together, all those things. None of that was on their radar. Nope. None of that was on their radar at all. So like if they had planned for that, they couldn't. No, no, you don't know. You you don't know what's going to happen. And I, I love also the fact that how they've been able to process emotions and come back to a space of like, you know, if you go later in the seasons, again, no spoiler, but you'll see kind of the evolution of those relationships and see how it's not so black and white. Like you wronged me, done, cut, gone, right? There's this ability to work with people, to love people, to actually forgive people, to like, you know, accept that we're not, none of us are perfect, but we judge only because we have some insecurities inside of us or we wouldn't even think to judge somebody else. Right. There's this feeling of that show of like just an acceptance around yourself and other people. And again, coming back to, you know, you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, but you're a human being first. So if you can process more of your emotions, you are 100% going to see an improvement in your business. Because I often say, when I've seen this for over 20 years, working and launching products, businesses, and services, it's not often an actual business problem because business problems are easy to fix. They, They got an easy fix. Find a strategy, work the strategy, adjust as needed, problem fix. Yeah. And you can go to somebody that can help you, consultants and everything. And it's like, you can usually fix those pretty quickly. But where they're lingering and they bring people down and they are devastating are usually based on human emotions and relationships. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff that takes people out. Whether it's their own or the partner relationships or employee or that's the stuff that can kill a business. So I love how that so many complexities of human relationships in the show, but how they show that it's somehow you can come back together. Like you can argue, you can swear at each other, you can hate each other, you can have be completely different and think each other is insane. And somehow you can come back together. And even the strongest personalities can gel. Yeah. We see that on screen in the show, in the form of the characters, but also behind the screen, behind the camera, in the form of the four lead actors on the show who are all titans and have been for multiple decades, right? We're talking Sam Watterson. We're talking, um, hello, Annie, President Bartlett, Martin Sheen. (laughs) Like, President Bartlett. I mean, it's so hard for me not to be like, it's Jack McCoy from Law & Order. It's President Bartlett. It's Lily fucking Tomlin. And Jane fucking Fonda. Like, how can you not look at those four things? Like, that is so much incredibility in one cast. And that's just the main cast. That's not even the supporting cast, including my beautiful heartthrob, Ethan Embry. Like, there's so much personality on that show. And I think sometimes when we're 
the face or voice or both of our companies, we worry sometimes about being too much or blending with others. And it's like as more the more aligned and present and focused and in flow we are, the better we'll actually be able to interact with other people on our level and above us. Yes. Right. We can network up. We can network loud when we're in that place because we're bringing not arrogance, but confidence, but also the security to listen more than you talk. 100%. And you know what I love about you saying that they're seasoned actors is I think that's part of the magic of the show. They're just so, so, so good at what they do that they make everything so much better. But how many years have has that the four, the main characters been acting like 40 years, 50 years? And well, sometimes a combined you know, total of about 7,000 years. Yeah, Right, right. But in entrepreneurship, this is also the thing that people look so far up right? They're like, whatever you are in your industry, you're going to look around and look at a Nike. Like, oh, I, my brand isn't well known. Look at Nike. And you're like, that's not even a comparison in this space, right? So when you look right? at like, like, you're a life coach. Why are you comparing <laughs> yourself to Nike? Calm down. Right. But it's like, you see that, yes, they, the, the beauty of that show is the fact that the, <clears throat> those people are so amazing what they do. And they've had decades and decades and decades to be there. So also when you're starting out in your business and if you're in those early days and early days, I say it's like 10 years is early days yes. in business. Yes. It is. It really is. And it's like, don't compare up so far up because you'll get there too. If you're going to stay in the game, you're going to be the example for somebody else. You're going to be the role model for somebody else. But don't compare so far up because it takes time. Like those people it are so time. good because how much time they spend in their craft. Yes, 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 yes. And it doesn't happen overnight and it's a process. And it's important, again, to know where you're going. It's important to say, someday I want to be a Lily Tomlin. But it's more important to say, in order for me to someday be a Lily Tomlin, I have to do this first. And then I have to do this next. Yes. I have to suck and suck until I suck less. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. We all have to suck until we magically stop sucking. And the way that we magically stop sucking is through hard work and focus. Yeah. And you learn, you learn from the mistakes. It's a mistake. Take another take. It's like, I, and I find what takes people out so much because I'll have people come to me sometimes in just frustration and like, this is my last straw. Like, if you can't help me, I'm out. And I see like where that frustration comes to an end is always the self-talk. It's like, what, you know, what are you, okay, why, what are you comparing to? And it's always based on comparison, the self-talk and the belief that I've been doing this for three, five, whatever, a number of years. And I should be here. I'm at six figures. I should be at seven figures. You know, I can't seem to go past 200 K, whatever it is. It's, but what, what's, what does that mean? What's, what are you taking from that? And it's always something to do with, oh, that means I'm not an entrepreneur. I mean, I had someone I was talking to, not a client, actually one, somebody I was interviewing that was saying that, you know, for the longest time, she didn't consider herself an entrepreneur, even though she was making seven figures, but what? she was actually, and I, I mean, I love this story because I always tell, I've told so many of my students now to go listen to this interview because she was in, in wall street. And so, you know, like was making seven figures in her job, left and created her own consulting and investment. And she, from day one, was making seven figures. But because she was using her skill set to consult, she, in her mind, thought, well, entrepreneurs are people that create new businesses. Like, like they create a product and it's brand new and they bring it to market and that's an entrepreneur. So even though she was making seven figures, she's like, well, I for the longest time, she didn't know or she didn't believe that was an entrepreneur. She was kind of really hard on herself. And then she read this article that said there's entrepreneurship part type one and type two. And she's like, Oh, I'm just a type one. I'm using my skills to make money. And she really wants to be a creative entrepreneur. So she's now launching a product that makes her a type two. But the reason why she hadn't gotten to what she calls a type two is because she was stuck in that belief. I'm not an entrepreneur. And she was making seven figures. I have people coming to me saying, I'm not an entrepreneur because I only made 150 K last year. <laughs> Right. So it's it's all in judgments you're making. It's all in judgments you're making, because then we also see the opposite. We somebody we see somebody who has like framed their first dollar and it's like, I am never going back to a corporate environment. This is my destiny. Good for you. It's going to take work to get there. Right. Uh, Mark Manson in his book. God, what's the name of it? Something about not giving a fuck. Anyway, it's amazing. But he talks about how all little girls want to be ballerinas, but nobody talks about broken feet and broken toes <laughs> and blood in the shoes, right? So like, yeah. if you are the kind of person who's like, I made a buck, 
guess what? I'm an entrepreneur for the rest of my life. Good for you. Plan for broken toes. Yes. But <laughs> if you're also to the point where you're still standing on all those broken toes, look at what you've accomplished. You're probably further along than you think you are. Because you're right. We all wander around for about 10 years. Yeah. We yeah, all do. It's true. And, and if you're thinking that sounds crazy 10 years, if you're in year one, you'll see. Give yourself grace. It is. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean that you're not going to make money. It doesn't mean that you won't be no. seven figures. I mean, I have clients that have made seven figures in the first three years. It depends yeah. on your product, depends on your industry, depends on you, all these things. It depends on the need. It depends on the yeah. time. It depends on whatever. So many things, right? That that depends on so many different things. But we create all of these beliefs. That's what a business owner is. That's what an entrepreneur is. It means this or it means that. And that's where the profit issue comes from too. It's like, you've got to have revenues of this amount and then you put everything into it and you forget about you know, feeding yourself and profit. It all comes from these belief systems of what it means. And it's up to you. You actually get to define it. You know, if you are loving what you're doing independently on your own, happens to be something that you're just taking your skill and using it as a service, you're paying your bills. Why are you not a business owner? Why are you not an entrepreneur? Who says you're not, right? Yeah, who says you're not? Who says you're not? Who says that there's some qualification that you're not checking the box? If you are applying your skills in exchange for money (laughs) in exchange for money yes yes and if you're not doing it in exchange for money you need to hire both of us yes right like okay listen if you're having issues with this you need to talk to her about your plan you need to talk to me about asking for money okay but if you are showing up every day applying your skills and profiting from that Right. If you are exchanging that, if you are standing in your leadership in that way, then you're an entrepreneur. However you defined it before, let that go. However you think that you need to compare yourself to others or whatever box you need to put yourself in, let that go. If you're a grace, be a grace. If you're a Frankie, be a Frankie. If you're a hybrid, be a hybrid. You can define it however you want. But oh, I love all the things that we brought in today. We've talked about focus. We talked about revenue. We talked about prioritization. We talked about planning. We talked about vision. I just love it. Like, I love how all of these things just come together so beautifully, much like a cast of four incredible icons coming together to create something so fun and so beautiful and so powerful. It's a very powerful show. It is. It's a very moving show. And I think that if, if it weren't so lovingly crafted, some of that power would get lost. And so I guess that's kind of the last thing I was thinking about when I was thinking about Grace and Frankie is is that level of care that goes into your work. And I know, um, I think that also comes from what you're talking about, the upper line, that well-being, right? So, So what are there any lessons in Grace and Frankie about that upper line and bottom line that you've seen? Yeah, beautiful. So, you know, I think that the mix between Grace and Frankie, you see how they kind of help each other. Like when, you know, Frankie kind of gets Grace to do things that are outside of her comfort zone and she helps her to, you know, get out of that structure and get into flow. And same thing when there was some health concerns with Frankie and then Grace becomes kind of her nurse and takes care of her and gets her to take some things more seriously. Right. So there's that beautiful Mm -hmm. element of like, you know, prioritizing yourself, but also asking for help and accepting help. And accepting that there's some times where you actually do need somebody to care for you and to nurture you. And, you know, I mean, a lot of us have some trouble accepting, like we're a lot of givers, especially in the service industry. We love to give and sometimes we resist, you know, receiving. So being able to kind of check that out for yourself, are you asking for help first of all? And then when people are offering, are you resisting because you have to do it alone? You've got to figure it all out, right? So allowing that, you know, that beautiful mixture that you see in the show, how they help each other and how they're there for each other, even though they struggle, you'll see that you'll see what, you know, like, especially Frankie doesn't want the help. And she's like, I, I'm going to go to my shaman and figure out my help and, right. you know, get some crystals. And I'm, I'm not going to go to the doctor. I can't look at my numbers. Same thing. Yes. Same exactly, thing. Exactly. Right. 
Exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah. And when it comes to the profit piece, it's like, again, if you look at the episodes where they're starting their business and you see those dynamics where, you know, grace is the one that stands in place and says, well, you know, th- there was a point where they were, um, somebody was ma- making a product like theirs and they had to make the decision to sue them. And so you look at the fact that these are the business decisions you've got to make. And sometimes you've got to step into the, you know, grace shoes and you've got to go forward and say, no, we got to take action here. And then yeah. sometimes it's like, okay, we got to step into some creativity here. So step back into the Frankie shoes and look at it from a different space. Cause we're losing focus here. Cause we're just like lost in such structure. So that beautiful mix of like the well being, the profit, like it, it's just all over this show. I mean, I, I like I said, I watched it the, all the seasons like three times. I mean, thanks 2020, but yes. <laughs> yes. Right. When 2020, the year of Netflix. Okay. So that brings me to our goofy, goofy question for the day. So if you were going to seek out, you get to pick, but you get to pick knowing it's going to be challenging. If you had to move in with an entrepreneur who you knew would be the opposite of you and would drive you bonkers towards your growth, but you have to live with this person and start a new business with this person and they have to be the opposite of you. who? would be your new roommate slash business partner. Um, can I see Frankie? <laughs> yes. Somebody completely different. I mean, honestly, a Frankie type, because uh-huh. this is what I feel like for me and my growth. So I come from a very intellectual background and I spent 15 years in corporate and I was very, I would call it robotic human, meaning I, and I also worked in a male dominated industry. It was two women, 200 men, and for a very long time. So I had to lead, which I believed I had to lead with my intellect. I had to be prepared at all times. Like I didn't even sleep before big meetings. Like I had to prepare, 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 had to be ahead of everybody. I had to be feared. I had to create this energy of like, cause I'm, you know, also like look really young for my age always have. And this was in my twenties. So imagine they thought I was like 12. So I had to like be armored with all of this. So I had all this structure and all of this. And as I now, I would say over the last probably five years, I just, the, the desire to be more creative and the desire to flow more and to have more freedom in my life and in my business, I, I'm still struggling with accepting because letting go of this, you know, decade old personality that's like, no, you're going to die. You're going to die if you go there. So <laughs> moving in with a Frankie would be like the best life lessons, and especially moving in with a Frankie that would be telling me how to run my business. Oh my God. <laughs> that sounds like a lovely dream. And a horrific nightmare in one. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I would be up for the challenge. I think it would be fun. <laughs> graces, find your Frankies. Frankies, find your graces. Someday we should co-host a retreat where we bring together a whole bunch of graces and a whole bunch of Frankies and make them cohabitate. <laughs> oh, we should. And we, we make a reality show. <laughs> yes. So listen, if people out there are listening to you right now and they're like, oh, I need that perfect blend of Grace and Frankie, big Grace energy with just enough Frankie. What is the easiest way or the best way for our listeners to reach out and start a conversation with you? Yeah, so the easiest way is actually to go to my website. So it's sandraifrancisco.com. The I stands for Isabel because apparently Sandra Francisco is super popular. Figure that out. What? Yeah, I think it's South America. Very, very popular name. So yeah, sandraifrancisco.com. I, Francisco. I, Francisco. And right on my main page, you can get access to a free course that gets you started in business. So if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a new entrepreneur, you haven't gone through the four phases of business development that I've worked on for 20 years to explore, plan, and develop, and launch your business, just go get started there for free. It's a six-week course. And as well, if you are an established entrepreneur or in the early days of entrepreneurship, and you're sitting in frustration or confusion or anything that we've talked about today, you would like to know more, you have a question, reach out to a strategy session. And that you can book at strategywithsandra.com. No strings attached. If we connect and we want to do something further together, great. If you just get your questions answered, great. I This is my mission and my purpose to help more and more people bring these amazing, meaningful business out into the world. That was a masterful pitch. That was freaking beautiful. Listeners, I want you to go back and listen to that again. 
Okay. I want you to listen to that again so A, you can write down all those brilliance and go take that free six-week course because a free six-week course is an amazing gift, number one. Number two, listen to the way she did that pitch, especially if you're sales avoidant. That was freaking brilliant. Anyway, Sandra, as always, I love spending time with you. You've been a phenomenal guest. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I love this show. (laughs) I love it. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for the week. Well, hey there, listeners. Isn't Sandra just magnificent? Whenever I talk to her, I feel so centered and peaceful. And she's told me that whenever she talks to me, she feels energized and vibrant. I never would have thought of it this way previously, but she's definitely one of my go-to graces, and I'm really proud to be one of her go-to Frankies. I love the question that she posed during the episode about how we're showing up in our businesses every day. Are we showing up in a way that is more likely to profit and prosper? Or are we over-delivering, over-exerting, over-extending, and therefore more likely to burn out or fade away? Maybe we're just playing it too safe. And how are you structuring your days? Are you planning the work and then working the plan? Are you flying too fast, too loose, or running your empire with a white-knuckled grip? What might be an easier path? Or what might be a bolder, braver choice? Sometimes, in turn, both extremes are necessary. Your homework this week is to seek out your opposite energy your Grace, or your Frankie. Someone you suspect operates and shows up very differently than you do, but, important here, but someone that shares your work ethic and passion. Do not seek out the most boring person you know or the wackiest. That's not what this is about. But find someone who shares your drive and ideally your client base and compare notes about your plans, strategies, best practices, and schedule. Implement anything that scares you, but you know would ultimately free you. Don't worry, you don't have to make this a daily or weekly occurrence. Once may be plenty, but show up differently with intention and document your findings. It's amazing what problems seem to solve themselves when you give yourself a little grace, a little space, and a fresh perspective. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. If you struggle to sell because you don't know how to put a price on all that goodness in you and you don't like the way that your competitors do it, I have great news for you. You can find my free challenge, Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy, anytime at www.anniepruggles.com slash easy, not sleazy. Our show is edited and produced by Andrew Sims of Hypable. Our fabulous theme tune is by Riley Horbacio, who I found on Fiverr. Our gorgeous podcast art is by Francois Vigneault, who I found on Upwork. And our marketing team is led by the unbelievably life-saving Nick Bonitatibus. Don't forget to check today's show notes for more information about our fabulous guests, plus some continuing resources and some Etsy finds from other super fans of today's topic. All pop culture elements mentioned in this episode remain the sole intellectual property of their respective owners. I do not own them, so please don't sue me. 